Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. There's a lot going on. In the House of Representatives, there was a hearing in which some of the parents from Uvalde and other parents talked. One of the little girls who covered herself in blood in Uvalde testified. I mean, this is just breathtaking. I have never seen Jim and Poppy over on CNN both sobbing so hard they were unable to talk for all practical purposes after this uh, testimony. It was just amazing. Steve Scalise, the uh, number two Republican in the House of Representatives, he's a House Minority Whip, his response to this whole issue was 9-11. Airplanes were used that day, he told reporters this morning. He said, as the weapon to kill thousands of people and to inflict terror on our country. But there wasn't a conversation about banning airplanes. Right, this is the Republican Party's answer to dead children. There was another uh, Republican, Andy Biggs, who says, uh, you know, I'm not even going to go to the hearings. He's a member of the committee. But he said, no, no. He says, I will not be physically attending the first panel of the House Oversight and Reform Committee's hearings on gun violence today. I object strongly to the Democrats' exploitation of children who have been victimized so recently in Uvalde. Right. This is the same message that we got from Republicans before when they said, oh, it's too soon to talk, to have a debate about legislation. So anyhow, that happened. And uh, Attorney General Garland right now is talking about how he's got a team that is going to review the Uvalde police response. The Uvalde police chief, who's now a member of the city council, has been in hiding for a week. And Republicans are telling us that they have basically locked this thing down and they're not going to allow any discussion of what happened in Uvalde until after the election in November because they think this will... Now, they're not telling us the because part. This is my speculation. Um, you know, but they are telling us you're going to have to wait until after the election to, to learn what happened in Uvalde. Um, and uh, Republicans down in Texas. And I think this is because Greg Abbott thinks this is going to hurt his electoral chances. He's running for re-election for governor. He's going to be running against Beto O'Rourke this fall. So we'll see how that goes. 
We had elections uh, all, all around the country, California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota. A couple of the races really got a lot of attention. Remember about five, six months ago, I wrote an op-ed. Uh, it was published over on HartmanReport.com about how crime is going to bite Democrats in the butt if they don't get ahead of this issue right now. And I told the story of how somebody tried to break into our house. Uh, we had, we had, uh, we've had two neighbors have their homes broken into. Um, uh, last night, there, there was a, a guy with a gun running around the neighborhood. Uh, it, it's just, I mean, you know, crime has gone nuts, right, all across the country. And in San Francisco, it doesn't appear that this had anything to do with the district attorney, uh, Chelsea Bodine's uh, policies. In fact, San Francisco's crime rates are lower than most other cities its size. But still, you know, crime and homelessness are out of control. Uh, this, this really, I think, is a leftover uh, consequence of, of really two big things right now. One is 40 years of Reaganism having gutted the American middle class, producing an epidemic of homelessness that was real before the pandemic started. And then number two, the, the, the current pandemic. And, or, you know, it's, it's fading right now, but uh, up until very recently, you know, we had this, this uh, very real problem with the pandemic and, and, and uh, cities being unable to respond to it, you know, police being unwilling to respond to homeless communities, uh, you know, tent cities and whatnot that were being set up because they were afraid of getting COVID, um, you know, quack, 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 right? So, so uh, the prosecutor in San Francisco has been recalled in Los Angeles, we, had, we saw the same thing. Karen Bass, uh, a six-term Democrat in the House of Representatives, was running for mayor of Los Angeles. And uh, Rick Caruso, who used to be a Republican, he's a billionaire, actually. He poured $40 million into his campaign for mayor of, of, of uh, Los Angeles. Now they're going to they're gonna be in a runoff, Karen Bass and Rick Caruso. And his message used to be a Republican, now he's a Democrat, but his message basically is a law and order message. I mean, I'm telling you, this is real. And Democrats have to start messaging about law and order, getting crime under control. And if they don't, this is going to be a huge issue in the fall elections, giving you advance warning right now. Also, in Iowa, Chuck Grassley, is, uh, he won renomination. He's going to be going up against Vice Admiral Mike Franken, retired Navy Vice Admiral Mike Franken, who beat uh, Congresswoman uh, Abby Finkenauer uh, in that primary, so for the, for the United States Senate. Those, those are the biggest races, frankly. Um, there, there is that South Dakota story. I'll tell you about that in the third hour because it, it kind of wanders into a whole other topic, uh, you know, a whole other area of... Um, of information. Uh, oh, one last thing. This isn't, there wasn't a primary in Florida yesterday. Uh, and there will be, a, uh, in fact, the primary is in August. But, uh, and Charlie Crist is running against Nikki Freed. Nikki Freed is the state agriculture commissioner, the, the, the highest elected Democrat in the state. And uh, Charlie Crist used to be the Republican governor of Florida. Now he's a Democrat. And uh, he is now polling. Nikki Freed is way behind in the polls right now. She's been a guest on them. Well, they've both been guests on this program, Charlie Crist as well, uh, multiple times, uh, in fact. But uh, the most recent poll, this out of the Political Matrix listener group poll of likely Florida voters, uh, they found Charlie Crist 
is uh, Christ. Congressman Charlie Crist is beating Governor Ron DeSantis 50.6 to 49.4. Now that's interesting. Ron DeSantis, of course, has to win re-election because he's going to leverage this in 2024 for his bid to become, you know, the next Trump, the next, the next uh, fascist or neo-fascist president of the United States on the, Republic, on the Republican ticket. So keep an eye on that one, too. Lance in Columbus, speaking of Ohio, Lance in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Lance, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, how you doing there? Good. What's up? Good, good. Hey, Tom, wanted, wanted to speak about the gas price and particularly diesel. Uh-huh. You know, we know that uh, the diesel prices are really up there. And just so people know, especially when you go to the supermarket and you start shopping, a truck, a regular tractor trailer holds about 300 gallons of diesel, right? So if you're talking 550 or better, you're looking at about $1,600, close to $1,700 before the wheels even turn. Right, to fill okay. your Right. Now, the CEO of Pilot and Flying J, they came out with a news story saying that Union Pacific is making that because they're one of the biggest producers of death, which is an additive that the newer trucks have to use. They're making them cut their production 50% uh, because their uh, death is transported by the railroads. So if they're making them cut their production, that means the prices for the death and diesel and everything else is going to go up. And when you look at that, a number of these trucking companies are starting to go out of business. And if a number and, and if enough of these companies start to go under and go out of business, Tom, you're going to see the prices in the supermarkets start to explode. Oh, yeah. Well, we're going to we're going to see that probably within a month anyway, because the uh, the Russians are in, have uh, barricaded blockaded the the ports, the southern ports in Ukraine and Ukraine supplies about 10 percent of the world's wheat. And uh, or maybe it's uh, Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia. And, and of course, as, as Professor Wolf mentioned, the, the Russian exports are being blocked by our embargoes. So between those two, we're, I, I, I am very concerned that we're going to see really substantial increases in food prices because, you know, grains are yeah. going up. And, and uh, of course, you know, it takes pounds and pounds and pounds of grain to make one pound of meat. Um, so you got yeah, meat prices right. are going to go up, too. So there you go. Something Lance, thanks a lot done. for the call. Yeah. Good to hear from you. Carol in Hemet, California. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind today? I am uh, ethnically, I am half German American, half Hispanic. So I have had a chance, and I'm fluent in Spanish, fluent. Mm-hmm. So I have been able to witness my Hispanic brothers and sisters for a lifetime of 68 years. And uh, two things. Uh, a lot of Hispanics are uh, Catholic. But every church I've ever gone into that's an evangelical church is chock full of Hispanic people. Mm-hmm. They love the evangelicals. And yes, so we got a double whammy of right, and the evangelicals on, the abor- are, on the abortion. And the evangelicals mm-hmm. are embracing the Republicans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very conservative. Pick up all of the, you listen to the sermons and it's like, we won't go into that because that's yeah. not my point. But uh, the other thing is, that uh, there is racism, there, and therefore 
they some some will lean towards the white supremacy stuff because uh, some consider themselves white rather than Hispanic. They're white first. And they don't want those indigenous people coming across the border, you know, from El Salvador, or even from Mexico, the indigenous populations. They are not Afro-Americans. They're not down with, the, with, with black people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it's a very curious thing. And you will find Caribbeans from the Dominican Republic, darker skinned than an Afro-American, you know, from our country, standing next to them and they'll go i'm not black mm. it, it's it's anyway that's all about divide and conquer you know what oh, yeah. i'm saying and oh yeah and propagandizing and, 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 and yeah and the <laughs> whole white supremacy thing telling uh, hispanics that they're superior to african-americans it, it goes back to lbj's mm. comment if you tell the lowest white man that he's higher than the highest black man he'll let you pick his pocket all day long and, and I think if you there just, you go. If, yeah, if, if you just replaced white man with Hispanic man, it still works. The formula still works. And and moving on to the fact. Okay. Fact is, since Obama, just one arm of one group, the Koch brothers, they have this Libre fund. Libre is Spanish for free, and the Le sorry Libre trust. You can Google this stuff. Mm -hmm. And the Libre Trust, among other things, besides going around uh, Latino neighborhoods, especially very poor ones, and handing out, I don't know, $20, $30 bags of groceries, along with leaflets and flyers and propaganda, mm. uh, that's how they attract them, plus all of the radio stuff that we've been talking about and TV. But more important than the groceries, they are telling them that they have, since Obama, that they have a pathway, if they could just get in power, for, their, uh, for them to be able to stay here. Not citizenship, but a work visa that would allow them to, hey, you've been working here, we respect that for what, mm -hmm. 10, 15, 2 years, 30, blah, blah, you know. Come on over, you'll be able to go back to your country. And the other thing is, uh, we're going to respect your small business entrepreneurship. You'll be rich. And this mm. is what I hear from my brothers and sisters. Wow. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Carol, for the report. That's uh, The Democrats need to do better messaging and better policy. Amen. I'm with you. Thank you. Mike in Brooklyn listening on Sirius XM. Hey, Mike, what's up? Yeah, I was just thinking, why doesn't the president act in that, uh, the Resurrection Act of uh, it put martial law? The Insurrection so Act. Yeah, yeah, the insurrection act of eighteen sixty, and uh, that will put him in control, in control of the United States over the governors, and or uh, president order to eliminate those guns. Well, because I don't think there's an insurrection going on right now. Uh, well, Mike. see, we're setting up. Our, we got guys in the south over here walking around like so. The 16s and 15s, and you know that's that's giving the enemy the rise again. We see it in our face. They did it in January 6th. They're going to do it again. Yeah. We've given them No, I, I I get it, Mike. I, I I don't think the Insurrection Act is the solution, but we do have a problem. I'm with you. Bob in Farnham, Virginia. Hey, Bob, what's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. Um, I just wanted to share some thoughts. You know, uh, thinking about 
our conversation or your conversation on the program earlier about guns mm -hmm. and how we are so divided political parties, how we're on opposite sides of the fence. And the divide and conquer thing comes to mind in thinking about um, foreign influence, you know, thinking back to Maria Butina, um, Russian contributions to the NRA. You know, they just kind of feed on our image of ourselves as these, you know, gallant warriors, you know, or whatever. And it's, I think there's a whole lot of manipulation going on in that way. Yeah. I just thought I would mention No, I, that. I agree with you, Bob. In fact, I was in Moscow in December of 2015, and in the uh, hotel where we were staying, there was a conference, an NRA conference going on. I mean, you know, it was, yeah. it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I got a picture of years, it. And then, as, as we've talked about before, then two years later, there's uh, seven elected Republican officials yeah. sitting there on the 4th of July. Maybe yeah. they wouldn't be noticed on the 4th of July, but there they were. Yeah. So I definitely think that there's some, um, um, you know, people are getting together. You've mentioned on the program uh, the people that Trump seemed to buddy-buddy with, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. Bob, thank you very much for the call. Brian in Albuquerque. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind today? Whenever I dare to engage in a political conversation with somebody, like if I met a cookout or something and some loud mouth is lipping off about the president, I'll listen to him for a little bit. And then I'll always ask him, who is your representative in the House? And you'd be amazed, like 80% of people have no idea. Wow. And that's part of the problem. And I'll, I'll say, well, how come you don't know that? I go, the most important person you have or your link to the federal government is your representative in the House. Right. And then it's also your two senators. And so to all your listeners, if you don't know who your rep is in the House, you're part of the problem. So let's start from there. we got to get to fundamentals. And uh, that's all I got to say. Okay, well, you said it very well, Brian. Thank you very much. Frederick in Pontiac, Michigan. Hey, Frederick, what's up? Oh, hey, Tom, this is my, hello? Yeah, you're on the this air. Is my, yeah, okay. This is my first call to your program. Well, thank you. And, and, uh -huh, and I'm calling, but I, I have listened to you over the years, my first time calling in. But listen, you said something before the break. And I said, my God, I hope I can get through. You made a reference to you thought that the Saudis, Saudi Arabia and Russia under Putin wants Trump back in the White House. This is why I do believe that to be true. Putin yes. Invade yes. And I've been telling friends this for months yeah. since Putin invaded Ukraine. I said, look, you, Russia is going through all of these sanctions. Well, in effect. We're having some economic turmoil here. High gas prices, high food prices, inflation is, are, you know, they're-, they're No, no, and an awful lot of it has to do with those oil policies. Frederick, you're absolutely right. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available- on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital.
That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program? All three hours of our program anytime you'd like. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. And you become a supporter of the program through Patreon. You have access to the full three-hour show anytime you want and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. Let's do a progressive town hall meeting, a national progressive town hall meeting with Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal. She represents the 7th District of Washington. She is the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, the senior whip of the Democratic Caucus, serves on the House Budget Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, the House Education and Labor Committees, as well as a number of subcommittees. Her website is jayapal, J-A-Y-A-P-A-L.house.gov, and uh, the Twitter handle is repjayapal. That's the official one. And or Pramila Jayapal, the campaign one. And Representative Jayapal, uh, welcome back to the program. It's so great to have you with us again. Thank you, Tom. It's great to be with you as always. Thank you. Representative Jayapal, we're, we're seeing this gun violence epidemic in the United States where it seems like we're averaging two gun deaths a, a, an hour in America. And we've had literally it's not a day goes by that there's not a mass shooting or or at least uh, not a week goes by that there's not, you know, close to a week's full of mass shootings. What do we do about this? What, what, how, does, how is Congress reacting to this? I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that John Cornyn and the Republicans are saying, well, yeah, we'll you know, do a few little symbolic gestures, but nothing really serious. Is, is that going to stand? Well, Tom, you're exactly right. This is a national crisis. It has been a national crisis for some time. We have had so many of these gun violence, mass shooting events, mass murder events, and, you know, everyone says thoughts and prayers afterwards. And then the Republicans refuse to move on the issue. The House has already passed a background checks bill, a significant background checks bill. But just last week in the Judiciary Committee, we had a 10 hour hearing on a whole slew of gun bills that we will bring to the floor um, probably tomorrow. Actually, they're going to the Rules Committee today. And it's everything from tackling ghost guns to limiting the number of rounds in a magazine, because why should we have these ridiculous numbers, 100, 150 rounds that that uh, anybody can use to, to shoot um, multiple people? It's just absurd. And so there, there will be a bill limiting the number. There is a bill to um, raise the age to own a gun to 21. As you know, a couple of the mass shootings recently, both Uvalde um, and Buffalo, the shooters were 18 years old. And so I think this is an important piece of it as well. And then we are still working on the votes to bring an assault weapons ban to the floor. We are 
just a couple of votes short on that, unfortunately. And so hopefully we can bring that. Now, these are all bills that are going to pass the House this week. But you're right that the Senate is, is um, you know, talking about a much less uh, expansive package. And I think we'll just have to wait to see what happens. Senator Chris Murphy, who has been a real champion ever since Newtown, is leading that discussion. Uh, I know that they want to try and get something bipartisan done. I will tell you that I think it's important that we get something done so it doesn't seem like we're stuck. But I think we should also be clear that the kinds of measures that they're talking about are important, but they're not the expansive pieces that um, will stop what the kind of violence that we're seeing across the country. Yeah, the, based on the experience of other countries like Australia or New Zealand or, or the United Kingdom or Norway that have had uh, dealt with this, I completely get it. I'm also curious, uh, and then we'll pick up our, our calls, if I may, and <laughs> have one more question with you. Your thoughts on this election? I mean, we're, we're looking at November here, and I'm frankly concerned that the, the, the forces of of what I call fascism are rising in America, is this Trumpism, and that if the Republican Party gets control of Congress, it's going to be a really tough ride to the 2024 election. What can we be doing, average citizens be doing, to, to help ensure that Democrats can hold their majority in the House and Senate this fall? Well, the first thing is we've got to believe that we can win. You know, Republicans lose elections and then insist that they've won, Tom. Democrats win elections. And before we've even had the next election, we're saying we're going to lose. And so I think we need to be very, very positive about the reality in many of these swing districts across the country where we have very good incumbent candidates. That said, we also have to be clear um, that we need to do a couple of big things to make sure we are addressing the needs of voters today. And we know that inflation is an issue for people. We have to talk about the profiteering of these corporations that are contributing about 60% of the increase in the CPI and in, in, in inflation is due to companies, oil companies profiteering, um, other big corporations profiteering off of this moment. And so we're trying to pass a number of bills around price gouging um, in Congress, but we also are pushing the president to use his executive authorities to do things like cancel student debt, because that would lower costs for a huge number of Americans, or to raise the threshold for the overtime cap. That would help, um, again, tens of millions of Americans with higher wages. And so those are some of the things that we still need to do. And we're pushing to try and get a scaled down, unfortunately, scaled down reconciliation package passed that can get 50 votes in the Senate. Even though we passed it in the House, we have two Democratic senators modest, that we still need. A more modest build back better. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that's great. And, and hopefully we can make all this stuff happen. Let's pick up some phone calls here. Uh, James in Salt Lake City, Utah, you are on the air with Representative Jayapal. Thank you for taking my call, uh, Representative Jayapal. Um, my question as a Democrat is, um, you know, obviously, uh, keep it clo you know, uh, short, uh, very frustrated with what's going on, but what happens if this situation with Republicans results in nothing, which I'm, I hate to be a pessimist, but not expecting much. What, do, what can we do as Democrats to actually affect some real change uh, in regards to the gun issue? Because everyone I talk to is outraged, and, and we need to tap into this right now where we have it, not, not let the uh, Republicans just wait us out, basically, until the, the outrage is gone and then they can go back to normal. Yeah, we need exactly right, James. We got to keep it, keep up the pressure from across the country. So everyone who's listening to call 
um, your senators, in particular, if you're in a Republican state, to make sure you're calling and keeping up that pressure to write letters to the editor, to do everything we can from the grassroots to keep the pressure high. And unfortunately, James, we're seeing these shootings happening almost every day or every other day. Um, we find another one happening. And I think it's outrageous that anybody would say we have to get used to this. This is just the way it is. It is not just the way it is. It's why we're passing our package of bills on the House floor to keep the pressure up and to say these are the things that other countries have done in the wake of one mass shooting. The UK did it after a major shooting. New Zealand, uh, Australia did it after a major shooting. But we have continued to let this happen. So you're right. Got to keep up the momentum. It means both the grassroots organizing and, of course, we are pushing here in Congress. And I, hopefully we can we can make the, the Republicans um recognize the deep shame we should all be having as a country that we are letting these continue. Bill in Sierra Blanca, Texas, you are on the air with Representative Jayapal. Yes, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Yeah, yes, Representative Jayapal, I was just wondering and, and thinking out loud when you came on, the Democrats, the way I see it here, and we know it's not true, they're blaming Biden and all the Democratic Party for these high gas prices that are affecting everything. And every time they go to pump, they're, they're, they're reminded it's Biden and Democrats fault. What can we do before the midterms? And do you agree uh, to, to quell that mistruth and maybe bring down gas prices? What can be done to bring down these gas prices? Well, what we're, um, what we're pushing for in the Progressive Caucus is a windfall profits tax that would stop the price gouging and distribute um, some of those proceeds to people so that they, in, in the form of a rebate. Um, to me, that's the smartest thing we can do because number one, we are we know that gas prices are going to stay high because the oil and gas companies have no interest in bringing them down, and because the the issues with the war in Ukraine, um, Russia, all of these other uh, countries that we're you know we're dependent on dictators essentially for for this oil which is a whole nother topic. So I think if we can focus on the price gouging and then use that as an opportunity for rebates to the consumer, that's really the best option. But in addition, we are trying to do other things that would bring down costs for the American people and raise wages so that at the end of the day, their budgets will balance. Representative Pramila Jayapal, the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, is taking your calls for the hour here in our National Progressive Town Hall meeting. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And you can find her website at Jayapal, J-A-Y-A-P-A-L.house.gov, and you can tweet her at Rep Jayapal. Jim in El Dorado, Arkansas. Hey, Jim, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's hey, on your mind? I'm retired from law enforcement after almost 28 years, and I've got concerns about the uh, investigation into SCOTUS leak, but something just doesn't, doesn't ring true with the so-called investigation into who who's responsible for the leak. Right. Well, there is a theory that, that one of the right-wingers on the court leaked it because the, uh, you know, uh, Alito had written this opinion and submitted it to everybody else. And then the pressure started on John Roberts to shift his vote. And, uh, you know, and, and, and instead of going along with Alito's position, uh, you know, take a negative position on abortion uh, or, uh, you know, a, a pro Roe v. Wade. And so, uh, and the best guess is Ginny Thomas or her husband Clarence uh, leaked it, that they, that they did this in order to prevent people from continuing the lobbying process to weaken it, to, to, to water it down. And that makes more sense to me than anything else. And so if that's the case, you've got at least one member of the Supreme Court who's probably not very happy about the investigation. And, and also the fact that they're not investigating the activities of Jenny Thomas and Clarence Thomas that are clearly things that are violations of, of the federal code of judicial, judicial ethics at the very least. And probably her involvement with January 6th, violations of the law. That again tells me that probably this leak came out of Clarence and Jenny and probably they have something to do with supervising the investigation. Lisa in Windsor, California, you are on the air with Representative Jayapal. Hi, thank you. I love you. Um, by the way, since we need a federal right to vote act, I was hoping that maybe you could um, see if President Biden would be open to doing something like uh, they did with the anti-segregation uh, act, you know, federally, uh, through the Commerce Clause, as I recall. Uh, you know, if you can go uh, state to state and say that the feds will not put up with, um, you know, segregation in your lunch counter or whatever, you could do the same thing with a voting rights kind of act or law or something like that. Presidential orders and actions is what I'm saying. Yeah, Lisa, thanks so much um, for the support. Yes, we this is a big part of our executive action list. And by the way, you can go to the CPC's web website and look at the list of, I think it's 55 or 56 executive actions that the CPC has pushed for. Um, and the, the Department of Justice has said that they are going to be aggressive about enforcing existing voting rights protections. And so we are gonna, you know, obviously we're gonna look at all the ways in which we can strengthen that through executive action. But here's another pitch. If you are not involved and if you're in one of these swing states or difficult states in particular that are trying to limit voting rights, we really need more people to be poll watchers. We need more people 
to be um, working at the polls and before the elections during the time of mail-in voting because what the Republicans are doing is they are actually, we've had so many poll watchers retire, so many people who don't want to be there because they're afraid of violence, which is a very sad statement. We, of course, have Republicans saying they're going to try to you know, bring guns to, to the poll lines um, to so-called protect people's right to vote. Um, and so I think we need to make sure we're building up our infrastructure of folks who are working on elections um, because we have a lost a lot of that. And those people are going to be very important. Um, during voting. But our, all of our focus is on trying to educate, turn out, and build up the infrastructure around voting that gets people out to vote and protects their rights at the polls because the Department of Justice will be somewhat limited by bad voting rights laws that have passed in some of these states. Representative Jaipal, we have a little less than a minute before we hit the other side of this break and, um, and not enough time to put a caller on, but could you speak to the importance of volunteering in your local Democratic Party and becoming a precinct committee person and those sorts of things? It is so important. The PCOs are the angels of the Democratic Party and of democracy because they are the ones that go door to door. A good PCO goes door to door with information, has conversations with people. And that is the place where you can actually talk about what's happening and actually explain what is happening. And on our campaign side, we also do a lot of door knocking uh, work. And so I think that, um, you know, that's another place where people, if people can sign up and be the PCOs, you can also pass resolutions in your local Democratic Party around critical issues that you care about, progressive issues, and you can get the party platform to start to reflect some of those things. Dylan in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you are on the air with Representative Jaipal. Yes. Hello, Mr. Jaipal. Good to hear from you. I plan on homeschooling my son until he's six years old, but he's been who is six years old until unnecessary guns are taken away from the population. Can the Democratic Party please bring the bill to the floor as much as humanly possible to make sure the American people know something will be done to take away these war weapons? Once the right-wing Nazis are extracted from the Senate, we cannot lose democracy as online. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as you know, the Progressive Caucus has has led uh, the fight on defense spending. It was really it was a little bit difficult for me to hear the question. Tom, I, don't I, know I think he started out by saying that his six year old son is terrified of going to school because of guns. And, and therefore, can you do something? Uh, OK. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Um, this is I can't tell you how many similar calls I've gotten. And I'm so sorry that this is what your son is dealing with and that what children are dealing with across the country. And this is what we're working on. That's why we're, we had the hearing. We passed the bills through committee um, and we are going to do everything we can to pass all of these bills, but also an assault weapons ban, which I think is absolutely necessary. And we're probably one or two votes short at this point of bringing it to the floor. And we've got the speaker's commitment that as soon as we get that one vote, we can bring that to the floor as well. That's great. Janet in Bainbridge Island, Washington, you're on the air with Representative Jaipal. I've been so thinking about the craziness that is happening among our young people. And I'm wondering if it's time, if it's possible for you to begin to consider having an, a program that calls every 18-year-old into two years of useful work for the country, whether or not they've graduated from high school, whether or not they're on their way to Yale or Princeton, that everyone come together and work on 
the kinds of projects that that are so in need for global warming and all of the kinds of other things. Yeah, thank you so much for that question. I was thinking about this myself because the public works projects, I was recently on the coast of Oregon and and uh, was in a preservation area and there were all these amazing things that were built by people, young people during that time. That is actually what we're proposing with the Civilian Climate Corps. Um, and if we are able to get this slim down reconciliation bill passed with um, a half a trillion dollar climate investment, that that would be a part of it. It wouldn't be required. I think that was what you were saying is it would be required. It wouldn't be required, but it would be an opportunity for young people to be involved with public service, to help contribute to building our country and to have buildings um, and you know things that would survive even them in their lifetimes and that people can enjoy for generations down the road, even as we protect our environment. So. Uh, I hear you. I think we do need these opportunities for young people, regardless of education, to be able to contribute to the common good. Um, and a, a government program that does that, I'm in huge favor of that. So we're pushing very hard for the Civilian Climate Corps. Bill in Clifton, New Jersey. Bill, we have just a minute and a half uh, to the break at the bottom of the hour. If you got a quick one for Representative Jaipal? Yes, yes, yes. And I want to just say that uh, her greatest feature is her smile and she should be able to win over anybody with that but uh, true. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I think we have to tie this back to the Reagan administration make people think about it because he imposed taxes on Social Security on unemployment insurance and he eliminated the ability to deduct any personal income uh, 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 interests uh, it sounds like a, a winner to me just to get rid of the, the tax on Social Security. What Republicans would vote against that? And we need to get as many fast you know, hits as possible. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because we're running out of time. Representative yeah, Jaipal. So very quickly, thank you for the compliment. I will. Uh, I love smiling. Um, I We are pushing on Social Security 2100, which is John Larson's bill, that wouldn't eliminate the cap altogether, which is what, of course, I would like to do. But it uh, raises the cap significantly. And well, he, He's talking uh, about the income tax on Social Security. Oh, he's talking it about used to be ta it used to be income tax free until Reagan came along in 83. Correct. And I guess the thing is that, you know, we've been trying to tie back a lot of the tax stuff to Reagan, neoliberal economics, and to remind people that one of the biggest victories we have is that Joe Biden is pushing for a very different taxation system. This is no longer just progressive. It is mainstream, even though there are a lot of things I think that we would have to do. You know, Reagan imposed a uh, an income tax on Social Security and uh, did away with the deductibility of, of uh, interest and, you know, basically hurt the middle class while he so he could give tax breaks to billionaires. Um, is Congress thinking about, you know, repealing that tax on Social Security? Oddly, I got an email from uh, FreedomWorks saying that they're working on this project of repealing the income tax on Social Security benefits. And so this apparently is something the Republicans have found is very, very popular and they're going to run with it. Um, but anyhow, you, you wanted to, to, to yeah, comment the, a little the more. The point I wanted to make was a bigger one, which is, you know, we've had a lot of successes in terms of what we've been able to accomplish just since Joe Biden came in with the Democratic House and Senate. And we talk about things like the unemployment rate being the lowest in over half a century, wages having risen finally, um, cutting hunger, cutting child poverty. But one of the things we don't talk enough about is the fact that we have finally mainstreamed the idea 
that the, the tax system needs to be reformed, that trickle-down economics doesn't work, that neoliberal economics was a, a huge problem for the country and for working people, and that we need to reform the tax system so that the wealthiest pay their fair share, both with, if you look at the package that was in Build Back Better, and that I still think we have a, a chance of passing some version of this that um, we are looking at a global minimum tax on corporations. We're looking at a number of different things that I think are changing that fundamental narrative. And that's just the bigger point I wanted to make about, um, I think the progressive movement having fought a successful battle around the framing of taxes in the economy and um, how tax cuts to the wealthiest do not help us. Yeah, amen. That's great. Thank you. Uh, Mark in Clark County, Ohio, you are on the air with Representative Jayapal. How you doing, Tom? Representative Jayapal. I, I just wanted to ask the representative, uh, what, 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 what guns do I, I live out where Trump won my township by 85% of the vote. Uh, he took like 68% of Clark County and, uh, why, why don't, why don't the Democrats just label gun control as a assault weapons ban? From, from this day to the election day, you shouldn't even mention gun control. Just stick with the Clinton plan, assault weapons ban. Well, look, I mean, I think that there are so many things going on in terms of why people went to Donald Trump. But the assault weapons ban is um, the bill around the assault weapons ban right now doesn't have quite enough votes to pass the House. But we haven't stopped pushing on it. We don't talk about gun control um, as much as we talk about gun violence prevention. I mean, it's just an important thing, right? We're not we're trying to prevent violence um, that is absolutely preventable. This is a public health issue in our country. And we have less requirements for guns than we do for somebody to drive an automobile. And that has to stop. And so I think um, I hear you about your county going for, or your township going for Trump and for Clark County going for Trump. I think some of the populist things that the Progressive Caucus has been at the forefront of pushing are, are the, the fact that we didn't even have Democratic support for those over the last decade has been part of the reason we've lost people. Look at the minimum wage. This is something that Florida passed an increase to the minimum wage, and yet Florida also went for Donald Trump. And I think this is the answer to how we win back working people, is populist policies that reform the tax system, that raise wages, that put money in people's pockets, that say to people, we care about you. And then, of course, we have issues like guns, which I think were the public agrees with us. This is not a problem of the public not agreeing with us. This is a problem of the gun lobby and the filibuster in the Senate that stops us from moving forward with sensible gun violence prevention measures including the assault weapons ban, I would put in that category, um, because there's a 60-vote threshold in the Senate. So, Tom, we haven't talked about the filibuster, but the filibuster is essential to all of this in terms of the ability of 40 senators who represent a minority of the country's population being able to stop any bill from coming to the floor, but not only that, from being able to 
to stop a debate on a bill. A bill can't even get debated, much less voted on, because of the Jim Crow um, filibuster that is still there that requires 60 votes for anything to pass in the Senate. Yeah, it's nuts. Bob in Otis, Indiana, you are on the air with Representative Jayapal. Yes, Tom and uh, Representative, good afternoon. Um, well, I'd like your opinion. I, uh, I'm working on an idea, and I think what we need now is more and more uh, progressive Democratic women uh, in office. And I have been uh, uh, working uh, uh, on Emily's list off of that all around the country. And I'm just wondering, you think that's a good idea? Absolutely, I think that's a good idea. Um, you know, I'm the first South Asian American woman ever elected to Congress. We have increased the numbers of women in Congress, but not nearly sufficiently. Um, and of course, women of color, there have been less than 100 women of color ever elected to Congress since the founding of our country. Um, interestingly, I just came from um, Europe myself, from Germany, trying to lead a progressive a, 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 a conversation, a delegation on progressive politics transnationally. How do we build that progressive movement? And um, I met with a number of the new members that have been elected to the Bundestag in Germany. And it's it was really fabulous and fascinating. A lot more, you know, a, a number more women, um, a lot more folks of color, a number of firsts. And um, I think that what was interesting to me is they saw us as being far ahead. And I said, no, we're actually not far ahead of you. We are all working on the same project. So keep it up. Um, let's get more women elected, progressive women. Let's get more women of color elected. Um, I really think that will make an enormous difference. And particularly as you look at the fight around abortion rights right now in this country, but everything, economic security, um, women in the workforce, all of the things that we are fighting for, I think we would be um, well served to have women represent half of Congress as we do half of the population. Amen. Maureen, in Geneva, Illinois, you are on the Earth, Representative Jaipal. Hi. Uh, I think you should drop everything about gun legislation right now and stop and concentrate entirely on getting Democrats elected in November. Uh, it's not going to do us any good whatsoever to go, uh, go with the gun legislation. And all that matters is winning and keeping seats in November. Uh, the very fact that you're bringing up the subject of guns with a feminine voice turns off men all over the country. They are for guns, and they'll remain for guns no matter what. So right now we lose on that subject. Change the subject, drop the subject, and go to simply winning seats, more seats in November. Well, I, you know, I, I just would respectfully disagree with you. I think that the issue of guns is absolutely one of the things that we need to put before the American people, whether you're a man or a woman. Um, the American public is with us on sensible restrictions on owning um, and using, being able to own guns. They, um, it, it, this is not a problem of the American public. And I can't tell you, just like what that first call we got, Tom, from the parent whose six-year-old son is uh, afraid to go to school. This is what our country has turned into, where kids are afraid to go to school. They're cowering in closets and 
we're talking about, you know, uh, militarizing our our schools, our theaters, our public places. This is not something that uh, just a small group of people in America care about. So I, I really believe that we do need to focus on November and winning, but guns and many of these issues that we're legislating on now are a big part of how we win. Yeah, the polling certainly, certainly supports your position, Representative Jayapal. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Glenn in Fall City, Washington, you are on the air with Representative Jayapal. First off, I will say I totally identify as a progressive Democrat as well, but um, this I'm I'm struggling with in that I'm I'm losing my compassion around Seattle where my business is driving over open air chop shops and just massive amounts of property crime theft carjackings and all that stuff and uh, I'm just curious as to what what has been learned um, from police reform and everything um, starting last summer with the the protests and kind of where do we balance compassion with actually stopping massive amounts of crime. Yeah, this is a really, really important question. And I think that our approach in the Progressive Caucus, and we're actually working with a number of different groups uh, who are grassroots groups on, on the ground, is to say, look, the movement for Black Lives and a lot of the protest movements around police accountability rose out of a deep set of injustices that happened and that have to be addressed. Um, police officers putting a knee on the neck of a black man for eight and a half minutes and murdering that man is is where some of this, and many incidents before that, is where a lot of the movement has risen. So we need to have accountability for police, but we also need to make sure that we are addressing the root causes of a lot of the inequality that has led to um, lack of opportunity for people. And so the responses on public safety need to be responses that are utilizing all the parts of local government that are actually helping people to deal with the lack of housing, the ability for shelters to accommodate more people, um, and the specific needs of those populations that need shelter. Um, and police can be relieved of the responsibility of offering support services on the streets if they are focused on that set of uh, activities around violent crimes that are that really are what they signed up to do in the beginning. So let's have accountability. Let's have the laws that we passed in the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, um, which say no knock warrants do not should not be used. Those kinds of things should not be used. There should be real accountability. But let's support law enforcement by creating a support system around the needs that people have and going to the root causes. And I think that's what Seattle is now working to do. I've been in touch with Mayor Harrell, um, and I think that you know it's imperfect still, in my opinion, um, on many levels. 
But I think we're trying to work to a whole of government response on public safety and more resources towards support services and, um, you know, really taking on some of the root causes that create these situations where we have the ridiculous number of people experiencing homelessness that we do today. Is there is uh, one of my kids had a car stolen and the police officer said, we just really don't have the time to check to track down car thieves. The city doesn't support us. Um, it, are police refusing to police? Um, I, I couldn't exactly hear what you said, but oh. you know, I don't get involved with the very specifics of the local right. uh, uh, of how the city of Seattle responds. I know that they um, what part of what we're well, this trying was to advocate for is is let's focus the police resources on the things that police should be dealing with. Let's make sure that there are other ways to Bob. support the other pieces. Great, Bob in San Luis Obispo, California. You're on the air. This is not my idea, but I think this requires some serious consideration. I'd like to see a law written that any elected official in the United States government, when they step up to a microphone in an official capacity to make a statement to the public or the press, is prohibited from intentionally lying or not telling the truth. And if my memory of Tom Hartman University is correct, this bill could also be written in such a way that it is not subject to judicial review by the Supreme Court. And since it would be for representing the U.S. government, I don't see how it could be a First Amendment infringement on free speech. I, 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 I disagree, Bob, but Congresswoman Jaipal. Well, look, I think um, the let, let's put it this way. The idea that politicians should not lie is absolutely what we want. I think there are a lot of problems with how we would structure something like that, partly also because the truth is is held in very low regard these days. And there are, you know, all of these national sources that are putting out all this disinformation. We are trying to do something about that, but it's it's challenging. Um, just the other day, I don't know if you saw the video of Louis Gomer. I think I tweeted it out with something like, yeah, well, the point is not to lie. Um, this is a Republican colleague of mine on the Judiciary Committee who was on, I think it was Fox News, and saying, you know, these de Democrats want to go after us if if we lie to the um, to the Department of Justice. And it was kind of a stunning video because it sort of was just very freely advocating the idea that we should be able to, people should be able to lie and get away with it. Yeah. Um, but it is a huge issue, and I hope everyone is going to watch the um, January 6th hearings that will be starting this Thursday evening at 8 o'clock Eastern time. They, they are public hearings, and they will be a compilation of the big lie um, that led to the insurrection and the coup attempt by a sitting President Donald Trump um, to, uh, to steal the election. I think there's going to be really important new information in that, and I just think it's very important for the country to focus back on how close we were to um, losing our democracy and still how fragile our democracy is, in part because we have a Republican Party today that is the party of the big lie, the cult party uh, and, and the party of the big lie. And it, it means that we're not having debates based on truth at all, whether it's, whether it's COVID, whether it's the election. Um, and it is, a, it is a very, very difficult time, and we need the country to focus back on this and, of course, have accountability for it ultimately. 
two minutes to the end of the hour. Joe in Commerce Township, Michigan, you are on the air with Representative Jayapal. I think the Democrats, if they plan to win in November, need to replicate what Dude Gingrich did back uh, a few years back, and that is to develop a contract with America. It's simple enough to say the Democrats will protect and promote Social Security. Democrats will protect and promote Medicare. Democrats will support the minimum wage. And there are many other 10 points would resonate with the American public much easier than anything that has been accomplished by Democrats so far. It's just amazing to me that Republicans and the news and everybody else keeps talking about that the Democrats well, let's, are let's gonna get, lose. Let's get Representative Jayapal's comments on this, Joe. Well, I, I agree with you. I, uh, that is actually the Progressive Caucus's agenda. Raise the minimum wage, uh, protect Social Security and expand Social Security, protect Medicare from being privatized, I mean, all the things that you said. Um, and I think, you know, we are trying to put forward a set of bills now that really reflect this um, and make it clear, not just what we've accomplished, and we have accomplished a lot, we should talk about it, but also what we can accomplish with even bigger majorities. And that's, uh, I think, a very important piece is let's show people what we've done and let's, let's really inspire them with what we're going to do so that our proposition of who we are as Democrats and how we're going to lift up working people and poor people across this country um, and work for the common good is the ultimate message that drives the November elections. That's absolutely great. Representative Jayapal, thanks so much for dropping by today. It's great having you on the program. Thank Always you. great to be on, Tom. Thank you so much for all you do. Absolutely. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us, and that includes you. So get out there, get active. There's always something you can do. Right? Check in with your local Democratic Party. There's great organizations you can sign up with. There's so much to do, and this is such an important year. So get out there, get active, tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow. Be good to yourself and the people around you. Stay safe. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.